Well, I told you guys I was excited, and that is true. I'm going to jump right in here this morning uh, and, and just get going. Our statement on baptism reads, Jesus submitted to baptism, signifying the beginning of his ministry. Likewise, he asked us to be baptized as a public profession of faith, as the next right step following salvation. Believers are baptized by water in order to reflect the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. If you choose to be baptized at Cross Point Fellowship, it occurs through full immersion. So baptism, right? Baptism, I think, is one of the most important things that we as believers can do. Uh, it signifies so much of what Christ has done in our life and points people directly back to his acts on the cross and in the grave. Uh, baptism represents the rebirth that Jesus says is required in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I always go back to John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. This is when he's talking to Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, and came to meet Jesus in the secret of night because he didn't want others to know that he was talking with this teacher because Jesus at this point is a little controversial, and uh, he just didn't want um, people to associate him with Jesus. But the thing was, he, he, Nicodemus, kind of knew there was something about Jesus, knew that he was worthy of listening to, knew that this conversation needed to take place. And so he comes and, and, and really he's just seeking clarification from Jesus. Teach me what it is that you're teaching. And, and so he asked Jesus a question and, and, um, about kind of just the, the salvation piece and, and the things that Jesus is saying to him. And Jesus answers him in verse 3. He says, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And let's be clear, nobody wants that, right? Uh, none of us want that. Mothers don't want that. Children don't want that. That's something we're all looking to avoid. And so it's a pretty strong question by Nicodemus because uh, he's thinking what I would be thinking at that moment if I was just completely with a lack of understanding. Gross, right? Uh, and, and so he says, you know, how, how can that be possible? We're supposed to, what, re-enter our mother and then be born again? And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, what we have in this passage is a, a really beautiful piece of scripture and a beautiful play on words that you really don't kind of understand and see unless you read it in the original language. And so Jesus tells Nicodemus that he must be born anothen, anothen, right? That's, that's the word that he would have used. Now, that word means two things. It can be translated in one of two ways. The first way is again, which is how we see it in this piece of scripture. But the second way it's often translated is from above. Isn't that awesome? So not only must we be born again, but we must be born again from above. You see, we're all born of this earth. Every single one of us has that experience. We share that in common. But in order to experience the kingdom of God, in order to move beyond what it is that we have on this earth, we must be born again from above above. And the only way that this is able to take place, Jesus tells us, is by water and spirit. Now, there are various views on what Jesus meant by his use of the term water. 
here, uh, but the one that has the most scriptural support, the one uh, that most theologians agree on, is that when he is referring to being born of water, he is referring to John's baptism. And so when I say John's baptism, I'm referring to John the Baptist, whom which we see Jesus being baptized in scripture. Now, John's baptism wasn't like ours today, one of mere symbolism. It was a baptism of repentance. It had uh, a significant meaning in the life, specifically the life of a Jew. It was done uh, in preparation of the coming Messiah. You see, because John's message, which we'll read here in a few moments, was, I'm here to baptize you with water to prepare you for this coming Messiah who will come and baptize you with fire in the Spirit, right? And so Jesus is clarifying to Nicodemus, there's two ways that you must be baptized. One, you need to be baptized by water so that you are, show your repentance and you're, you are prepared for the coming of the Messiah. And two, you must receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which Nicodemus doesn't know at this time is going to come from the man who's sitting across from him having this conversation. You see, by submitting to baptism... I think it's important that we understand that we are also following Jesus' example. By submitting to baptism, we are following Jesus' example. I want to call your attention to Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John, this is John the Baptist again, to be baptized by him. Now John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John, he, it says he, but then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now one of the things I want to point out before we kind of dive into the baptism piece here is that all three members of the Trinity are present in this moment. Isn't that cool? So here's God the Son and Jesus submitting to baptism, a baptism which I'll explain in a moment. He really didn't need. And there's God the Father and then God the Spirit all together at this moment, this significant moment. And to me, it only kind of testifies to the significance of uh, baptism. Baptism itself is a testimony, and we're going to get into a lot of that today. But Jesus saw the baptism as the next right step on his journey, right? He, he comes to John, and he says, I want you to baptize me. And John, recognizing who Jesus is, says, no way, Jose, right? Uh, and he's like, no, my name's Jesus. Um, and, and, and he's like, oh, I, I, I know, you know. But he recognizes who Jesus is, and he's just like, I shouldn't be baptizing you. If anybody should be getting the dunk tank going, it should be you. Like, you should be dunking me under and, you know, holding me under a little longer just to get rid of all this craziness. But Jesus is like, no way. No, this is what we must do in order to fulfill righteousness. And Jesus choosing this is a message, right? Because John the Baptist's baptism, as we said, was one of repentance. Well, Jesus had no reason to repent. We repent when we have sinned. If we haven't sinned, we don't need to repent. And Jesus, we know we are taught as without sin. He had no reason to repent. But it had become customary for those who were following John's teaching. And so Jesus participated in the custom, I think, and I think others think, as an approval of John's message, 
as an approval of John's message, as, as a signification that he supported John and felt that John was, was following after God, his father, without outwardly declaring that he was the fulfillment of John's message. Okay, so he was approving of John's message without saying, hey, by the way, I'm the answer. What he's talking about, it's me. So I want to read John's message. Matthew 3, 5 through 12. And it's a little bit of a lengthy piece, but it's so important. It says, Then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, does, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with the water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor to gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And I'm having one of these pastor moments right now where I read this passage and I realize I totally missed something, right? Totally missed something of so much importance it's not even funny, right? John here is pointing out, yes, this is a baptism of repentance, but it's also not going to save you. You Pharisees, you Sadducees, you come to be a part of this custom to check all of your boxes because that's what you do. But scripture teaches us that people will be known by the fruit that they bear. You see, so many people in church all throughout its history have come to an altar call and, and have responded to what people are saying they need, which is to repent of their sins and follow after Jesus. And they've done that. And then they've been baptized. And then they go and they live like hellions. I don't know how else to say it. And that's what we see with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. We want to come. We want to check our boxes. We, we want to do the things that we're told that we need to do. And then we act like, well, I, I've been saved and I've been baptized, so now I'm covered. And John is making clear that if, if repentance is true, if repentance is real, then we will see it. We will see it. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. That's verse 8. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. You see, we true repentance will be known by a change in behavior. True repentance will be known by a change in lifestyle. True repentance is, is known by how we change from what we were to what we will be. People see that in us. It's not merely some act that we can just do to check off the box and, and cover our sins. Now back to what I was going to say. Uh, Jesus not needing John's baptism, but participating in the baptism shows the importance of the message that baptism sends. And here's the message. Baptism is a testimony to the power of God. Baptism is a testimony to the power of God. Baptism is a testimony that we can be cleansed. That even the worst of us, even the worst of us can be forgiven of our sins. Baptism is a testimony that we are in right relationship with God. It's a declaration that we will follow after him, that we will pick up our cross and we will go where he tells us to. Every single person that takes the step of faith 
into baptism tells the world that God is able, he is willing, and he is faithful to save. Every single person. Every time someone comes up front here and steps in our lukewarm water and is freezing in this building to be put on display in front of all eyes to declare to the world that they were a sinner who needed saving and that they found that salvation in Jesus Christ is bearing witness to the power of the cross. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that we get to participate in that? Oh, I'm not worthy. I am not worthy. And yet, here I am a part of that process. And here's something that's so cool about Jesus. By submitting himself to baptism, he has likened himself to us. Whoa. By submitting himself to baptism, he has put himself on our level. He has said, I am with them. He associated himself with sinners. And that shouldn't be a surprise because Jesus did it all the time. All the time. And following his baptism, a declaration that we see, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Don't you feel that same acceptance and that same love with your own experience? I know I did. Baptism today is not one of repentance. It is one that is symbolic. It is symbolic of all that God has accomplished through Jesus Christ. It is not something that saves us. When we repent, we repent to God, and we are able to do so because of what Christ did on the cross. It doesn't save. It completes no work. It simply tells the world that we belong to Christ but it also declares our connection to God. We've talked a lot about testimony. I want you to know that baptism also testifies to Christ's work on the cross and in the grave. Romans 6, 2 through 3. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that Jesus, as just in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Being submerged in the water mimics the burial with Christ in the grave. A burial that we participated in while never actually having to experience. It represents the death of the hold that sin has over us. And the beginning of the change that takes place in us. And as we rise from the water, it mimics Christ's resurrection from the grave. You see, we're free because Christ freed us. We get to experience new life, resurrection, because of what Christ did for us. We don't have to be slaves to our sin because he conquered it. Every time someone submits to baptism, they tell the story of what Christ did on the cross. 
They're sharing the gospel. They're letting others know that it's possible for them as well. And I'll end with this today. We baptize not just to follow Christ's example, but because he commanded us to. Because he commanded us to. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now, to the ele- now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, this moment takes place after Christ has already secured new life through resurrection. This is right before his ascension into eternity. And he gives them this command. He tells them to go, right? Go, make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them. Baptism is the start of something, not the end. Baptism is the start of something, not the end. You see, we are all taught to go. We're taught to baptize, but then to teach. Then to teach. Too many people in the church today, and I'll blame the church for it, see baptism as the finished work. Well, I worked up to this point. I got here. I'm done now. Right? Everything's going to be great now, or I'm covered now, or, and that's just not so. It's the start of something, not the end. Salvation and baptism are the start of our walk with Christ. It's the beginning. And in no way, shape, or form is it the end of what he's doing with us. Baptism started Jesus' ministry. Guess what? It starts ours too. It starts ours too. We must continue to pursue Christ and not view baptism as the finish line. But also, we must see baptism as the next right step in our walk with Jesus. If you have not been baptism, baptismed, <laughs> that took a left turn. If you have not been baptized, I would encourage you to strongly consider it. It's not going to save you. It doesn't cleanse you. Jesus did that. Are there going to be people who are in heaven and haven't been baptized? I mean, if I'm being honest, my gut tells me, yeah, probably. Baptism is symbolic. But oh man, what a symbol. What an encouragement. What a testimony. What a way to tell the world what it is that Christ has done for you. Men, I have to tell you, men, you are on my heart. You are on my heart because I know that so often in my own home, I'm not keeping up the end of my bargain. I'm not the spiritual leader always that I'm supposed to be. Sometimes I am. And unfortunately, there's a lot of times that I'm not. Have you been baptized? Have you declared to your wife and to your children what it is that He has done for you? Are you leading 
in your life? Are you leading in your life? How can we expect our wives to want to do it? How can we expect our children to want to participate in it if we are not leading like Christ has led us? Again, baptism, not going to save you. But needed, needed. I kind of made that statement to introduce the fact that here in the upcoming months, and I don't know when this is going to be, we're going to do uh, a, a marriage. I don't want—I don't even know what to call it. Seminar, get together, sessions. Uh, I'm not going to—I—I I will probably be leading in teaching that, not because uh, I'm an expert by any means, not because um, I'm perfect, not because. Uh, Jerrica and I's marriage is flawless. I think it's pretty great. I do want to say that. I love you. I just want to be clear about that. But I, I, I look at our world. I look at our world, and, and this is what I know. I, I see the importance of what baptism reflects, and I know that that process does not take place if it's not starting in the home. Right? It's not starting in the home. And, and there is something that is so powerful about individual family units worshiping together. And parents, that starts with us. And, and, and husbands, that starts and begins primarily with us. Right? I want the world to see what Jesus has done in my life. I want the world to see what it is that Jesus has done in your life. And that's really what baptism is. That's really what baptism means. It's, it's a declaration that we are His. That we are in Him and He is in us. And I just, I could sit here for hours, I'm not going to do it, but I could sit here for hours and just talk to you about the importance of that step. So baptism is not something that you've done. I want you to pray about it. I want you to think about it. I want you to talk to me about it. Because it is so important. It is so important. Let's pray. God, I want to come to you right now and thank you for this day. I thank you for who you are, what you've done, what you've done through Jesus. The fact that uh, we get to participate and testifying to what Christ did on the cross and what He did in the grave through the act of baptism. Lord, when we submit ourselves to the act, when we declare to the world that we were sinners, that we needed to be saved by grace, and that that has in fact taken place in our lives and that now we are a new creation, we are a testimony. Our life is a testimony to Jesus and I don't know if I'll ever be able to fully comprehend why we get to be a part of that story but I do know that it's a blessing I do know that it is a blessing 
It's not the end, it's the beginning. It's not a declaration of perfection, it's a declaration of brokenness, but also of healing. God, there are people all around this room today that are dealing with brokenness and hurt and pain, physical, emotional. Lord, too many of us try to rely on ourselves to fix the problem that sin has created in our lives. Because truly, sin is the root of all evil. But you can take care of sin. You can cleanse us of sin. You can give us power over the sin in our lives. And sometimes it happens instantly and sometimes it's a decades-long process. But Lord, give us the strength to have the courage to say, I'm a sinner. I need salvation. Father, give me the gift of grace that only you can provide through Jesus. And may we, like so many in the history of the world, continue on striving to sin no more. We are thankful for what you accomplished on the cross, Jesus. We are blown away by what you accomplished in the grave continually astounded by what you did in your resurrection. We have life because you deemed it so. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand right now and let's worship. If you need to be prayed for, I would love to pray for you this morning. You can use our stage as an altar. Come forward and and pray yourself. Uh, Now is just an opportunity, I think, to reflect on where you are in your walk with Jesus and and what your next right step is. And maybe, maybe it's the decision for salvation. Maybe that decision has been made and baptism is something that needs to take place in your life. Okay? Maybe both of those things are taken care of and you want to call Crosspoint your church home permanently and you want to become a member of our church. We would love for that to take place. Whatever decision it is that you need to make for Jesus today, whether it's one of those three or something else that he's calling you to do in your life, submit to it. That's my encouragement to you. Submit to it. You will not regret it. It will be one of the best things you've ever done. I can promise you that. I've never once regretted submitting to Jesus. I regret some of the steps it took me to get there, some of the bumps and bruises I've had to uh, endure along the way, but never once have I regretted submitting to a call that Jesus has placed on my life. Will you do it today? Let's worship.